With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Three men weave, Matthew, Jim, Kai, and George. George. Hello, George. What's up, George? Good to see you, King George. He's got locks today. He's got locks today. Florida does good things to George. He looks spry and healthy. He didn't tan. He didn't look color. He is getting a bit tan. Yeah, he used to be all white. Now he's got some patches of tan on him. Good for George. Hey, guys. We got another good show for you today. Pretty nice, decent-sized slate on a Wednesday. Some good games to go through. I want takeaways, though, from yesterday right quick. I'm going to go to Jim first. Hit me with some takes. Uh, North Carolina... I don't know what their deal is, man. It's like they, they yeah. I guess they had a whole big <laughs> players only or team only meeting after the game yesterday. Just a horrific effort in the first half, like not even trying defensively, which has been an issue all year or most of the year. That was weird. I'm not totally back on UConn. They were really good yesterday, but I'm not totally back to where they were in the preseason. And then the team I was most impressed with yesterday was Arkansas. We're chirping about it in the chat right now. Uh, but I, th- I thought it was an awesome game out of them. They had not had a good road performance all season or a, a, a road win, really, other than South Carolina. And they cleaned out Kentucky. Uh, that was awesome. Um, Kai, do we have another 20 minutes to go through every other take we gave yesterday, whether it was right or wrong? Should we do that every show? No, Matt would get mad. So I don't want to make Matt mad. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't Matt, have. how about you? What are your takeaways from yesterday? Yeah, I had the worst takes. Um, and it doesn't bother me one uh, bit. Yeah, Arkansas completely eviscerated uh Kentucky got 67% from inside the arc gym as you mentioned and when in doubt just bet overs at this point I'm surprised I think you guys are gonna mention this but betting unders is just a losing strategy right now um buckets are plentiful the free throw rate is up a little bit so part of this is being buoyed by you know more fouls usually free throws are good for overs shot making seems to be better I don't know if defense just isn't what it is I'm trying to slap some macro rationale behind it but the data is what the data is and the results are pretty bonkers right now so uh you'll see an over pending in my best bets today wink wink wow how about that yeah efficiency man nuts absolutely nuts is 108.8 yesterday that's the highest it's been of the season yeah of the season the season for sure maybe ever i mean 108.8 is 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 truly nuts uh overs were 19 and 9 caliber stuff yeah nba caliber 19 and 9 overs yesterday why is scoring so nuts why is it so efficient recently i don't know maybe uh coaches have finally figured out you know how to play efficiently and and, and analytics and players are getting used to three-point line i don't know i don't know i have no uh a true answer i wish i did know i'd make a lot of money but Enough looking in the past. Let's look towards the future. We start off with a terrific game in the Big 12. Iowa State at West Virginia. The Mountaineers are laying three and a half at home. 
Yes, sir. Matt, it's scary fading home teams in the Big 12. I will say that, but gosh, I'll be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit interested in the clones. Where do you sit today? Uh-oh, we have unranked home favorite. Uh-oh, against a ranked team. Yeah, the system has been undefeated so far this season, apparently. I I kind of get part of it. Like, I think there's teams that see the number attached to the opposing team and get slightly more excited to play. Like, that's probably part of this handicap, but, like, I don't think this is, like, some trap line here. West Virginia's been really good at home. Like, look at the results. Have they been consistent, though, Jim? No. Do I trust them to late points against Iowa State? Absolutely not. Gut tells me it's the right spot to back West Virginia, but I'm not going to lay four points against Iowa State, who's been hyper-competitive in tougher spots at tougher venues this season. Look at KU, Fog Allen, um, Exhibit A of multiple other efforts. So nothing for me here. Yeah, and they were awesome at Texas Tech until the collapse. And given the way they followed that collapse up, I kind of think the collapse was the outlier, not mm-hmm. the initial 25 minutes where they were fantastic on the road at Texas Tech. Um, if West, West Virginia can take care of the ball, Kai, they can have some success. They should yeah. live at the free throw line in they this will. one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And on the other end, that's West Virginia's biggest weakness is they foul a ton. But Iowa State is a jump shooting team. They've gotten a lot of jump shots to go in league play, but they're not going to really live at the line, especially so. at West Virginia. Teams that rely yeah. on, whistle, <laughs> on whistles are usually better at home. We said this on the show a couple of times. Uh, both teams should dominate the offensive glass. Uh, big time strength for both of them. Um, but I think for me, Kai, it's a little more about the free throw edge. And I kind of lean towards West Virginia actually at home. Yeah. I, I'm just kind of in a bit of disagreement with the analytics. Um, I, I know the analytics say West Virginia is a top 15 team that they're better than Iowa state on a neutral. I disagree. I think Iowa state's a better team on a neutral. That's basically based on eye test. Um, just seeing both these teams play several times this year. I do think the clones will force turnovers and they, they kind of have to do it. Cause you mentioned the free throw disparity, they're going to foul a lot. West Virginia will get to the line, but the clones are also terrific on the defensive glass. And that's also extremely important against West Virginia, a team that relies on that uh, to, to continue possessions, to score. Ultimately, I just trust Iowa state more. They got those dogs in them, Matthew, George, um, I lean towards Iowa state bark, here bark. plus three and a half. He's passed out right now. Sorry. Wow. That was quick, quick, quick yeah, sleep for George. It's a hundred to zero quick with him. He's all, it's all gas or, <laughs> or all breaks. Um, kind of last quick, uh, input yes. here. If you're gonna go West Virginia, I'd go first half. Um, they've had a, I think a recent trend, maybe it's been all season, not good at holding on to leads. It's not a team that executes yeah. really soundly late in the game. Like West Virginia fans will emphatically agree with this take. So if you're going to back, if you're going to back the years here, I'd take them first half. Yeah. The Auburn game it instantly comes to mind where it's like dominant first yeah, half, right. let them right back in. Yeah. Moving on to the mountain West. It's a good one. San Diego state at Utah state, the Aggies are favored by two here. And Jim, they're getting pretty close to the tournament. Uh, a win here would be huge, crazy, that they're basically the same rank as Craig Smith's three teams, uh, basically the same level per Ken Palm, you know, over the last few years. Uh, game one, San Diego State won by 10. Do you see Utah State uh, flipping the script and, and winning this game? I, I really do. Uh, you you dig into the numbers of that first one, and I was actually really impressed by Utah State. They got buried by shooting early on. Adam Seiko was on fire from the perimeter, but they held up on the glass, 33-30. They actually outshot San Diego State inside the arc, 64% to 44%. Turnover battle was even. It was really just a free throw discrepancy, mm-hmm. and San Diego State shot way better from the three-point line. I don't anticipate that continuing because Utah State's the better three-point shooting team. You put them back in their home environment. I kind of think Utah State gets this one done. Kai, I was I was shocked, honestly, Matt, that they weren't overwhelmed by the athletes of San Diego State in the first one. That makes me lean their way. Like Kai said, they're they're one or two notches in their belt away from a, a nice 
tournament resume. Mm-hmm. I'm just glad that Stephen Ashworth has finally had his coming out party as like the clear cut engine of this offense. Like I love Rylan Jones and I'm bummed to see the concussions continue to hamper his career, but Ashworth is just a star. I'm glad he finally has uh, the space to shine and this offense has taken off um, behind his brilliance. And yeah, Utah State, I think you look at the matchup and you think physicality, size edge for San Diego State, which I would lean that way. But I mean, there's some real size up front for the Aggies. I mean, Dorius and the way Atkins been playing, um, you know, a great rim runner, uh, pick and roll threat can defend the rim. I think they can compete in the class. They proved as Jim mentioned the first matchup. So, um, you know, trying to kind of think simple here, trust the spot. Um, I think it sets up well here for a pretty big, um, you know, maybe like a 12 of 30 three point shooting friendly confines of D spectrum Kai. I think Utah state gets them here at home. Yeah. Jim kind of alluded to it, but San Diego state shot the cover off the ball in the first game <laughs> that probably corrects itself a little bit. Now they have been shooting well in conference play for sure, but Utah state's the best shooting team in the country from, from three and they likely fare better than 33% today at home. I, I kind of agree. The spectrum magic is where it's at tonight. I, I lean towards Utah state. Um, despite my love for San Diego state, I still love this team still, still very in on them. Next game on the rundown, the Big East, Creighton, land four on the road at Seton Hall. Creighton is rolling right now, Matthew. Six straight wins, only three and three against the spread right now, though, in those last six. Hmm, interesting. Who do you like tonight against Seton Hall? Uh, tough one to say here. I've been a Seton Hall guy all, all year, um, but they just haven't been super trustworthy in these close games. Like, I just, they don't execute as well as the Sheen Holloway coach St. Peter's team we saw last year. I think a big part of that, they just haven't had a consistent rotation. Um, like Holloway's voiced, you know, frustration with his team's inability to execute in key moments in a plus four, what should be a pretty close game here. If you're going to back Seton Hall, you think it's going to be probably a pretty close game. That's not something that you're encouraged by, especially with the way Creighton's been playing. I know how you said three and three, but they still are very much trending up. And I still think they're kind of a buy low here. Market sniffed it out though, up to minus four. I think that's probably the better price. I would have jumped on Creighton at the opener, but uh, yeah, no chance. I saw minus two at my Buckeye. Yeah, unfortunately, Matt wasn't uh, wasn't available. But I, I honestly don't have a ton of take on the side. I, I was intrigued by the the under trends of both these teams recently. Creighton five of their last six have gone under. Seton Hall seven of the last eight, mm-hmm. which really reflective Kai of what we thought the Seton Hall team would be. Shaheen Holloway taking over a team with a bunch of long athletes, big guards, physicality up and down the roster. Yeah, that feels like an under team. And, and there was some kind of erratic total behavior in the early season because of all the fouling. Like I remember that Memphis game was ridiculous. I don't know how that went over. Um, I'm not super anxious to bet an under right now, given the efficiency environment, but I do lean that way here. And I also think it helps the underdog. Uh, if you get a slower, more grinding mm-hmm. game, perhaps Seton Hall can hang around here. Yep. But man, it's going to be tough to score inside against Kalkbrenner for them. Dre yeah. Davis game time decision just to throw in. I stubbornly think he's really important. This is the last two games. He's kind of a point really per minute monster. He's been good a little bit. It matters a little bit. Good. But Seton Hall's won seven of the last eight. Uh, they, they have a shot at the dance. They have been actually playing pretty well. They, it feels like a forgotten team. No one really talks about them right now. But I just look at game one and I see Creighton up by 32 at one point in that game and totally dominated Seton Hall in that first matchup. I don't see how Seton Hall scores. You can't get anything inside against Cockbrenner. Creighton doesn't foul. They rebound, and Seton Hall can't shoot. It's just a really bad combination there. Seton Hall, basically, their only hope is to keep it ugly, keep it low possession. Like Jim mentioned, 7-1 to the under last eight games. They have to play that way to uh, stick around to have a chance to win here. I don't know. I got no side in this one. Lean towards Creighton just based on that uh, game one domination. 
Next game before our first chat mob break is Oklahoma at Baylor. Baylor minus 10. Holy cow. I know Oklahoma has struggled lately, Jim, but 10 double digits. Woo, that's a lot. What do you think? It feels it feels a little high. I do think Baylor is starting to maybe access a little bit of a higher level. If, if Chama Chachua gives them a an emotional lift and be yeah. a real defensive lift. Uh, what they did to Texas Tech in the second half was ridiculous. Just buried them under their guard play and the emotional wave of of Chama Chachua being back. Uh, I'm fully ready to admit, hand up. I read the athletic article about his return and and the mental struggles he went through, and I teared up teared up a little bit. Um, he like damaged a nerve, Kai. Like maybe he was never going to walk without a limp again. Mm. Absolutely ridiculous that he came back. So I think that might help continue to boost Baylor. And Oklahoma has not been the same on the road. Two and four against the spread negative eight average cover margin. Like they really get smashed sometimes on the road. That scares me a little bit with the way Baylor's trending. So despite it seeming a little high, I'm not willing to step in here. Yeah. I'm just looking at Ken Palm's uh, home road splits in the close game percentage. So 17 of 52, that's 33% of all games have been within four points or less. It was kind of an angle I was looking to use when I took Oklahoma last game at West Virginia. And then they lost by 31 game was never competitive in the second half. I think Oklahoma is sort of a, brittle team that never had a lot of talent to begin with. I think kind of smoke and mirrored their way to a pretty good um, initial wow. resume, but now we're seeing a little bit of the crack star trimmer. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you're the OU believer too. I was, cause it's, it was the Moser factor. Right? I think when you're starting to see these big 12 teams with so many good coaches catching on you on the second time to prepare for what they do and the personnel they have this year, I would be looking to fade OU the rest of the, uh, the season. And I hate saying that against my guy, Porter Moser, but I just don't think the talent crop is up to snuff with some of these other teams, especially against Baylor especially with the way they've been playing. And does, does Porter have an eye on the Notre Dame job? Maybe mm, hmm. that, uh, that close game percentage stat, the uh, quoted that's big 12 only big 12 only big 12 just only. Clear, yeah. In conference games. Yeah. 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 Yes. yes. Um, yeah, man. Okay. I, I know they just got demolished by West Virginia, but this team also beat Alabama by 24, 10 days ago. Like, Oklahoma's not helpless. And game one was close. Oklahoma controlled the tempo in this one, 61 possessions. They played tough defense. Tanner Groves, Jalen Hill, they found success in the middle. Now, does JTT make a difference there? Yes, I think he does, but I don't think he's a huge impact player quite yet. He's still working his way back into shape. It's going to take some time. I just think it's too big of a spread. Baylor's obviously much better, but I have to lean OU at, at double digits, just, just a slight lean there. All right, chat mob part one. Let's hit it. I think Jim's the, the czar today. Yep, got a trio from the Tooch to start off. A couple other people actually asked about several of these. Um, Kai first, he asked about Lehigh plus 11 and a half at Colgate. This makes me nervous because Jalen Sinclair actually missed last game for Lehigh. I was considering making the over one of my best bets, but with him out, that kind of derails the Lehigh offense a little bit. Colgate's off a loss. They could, they could be angry. Any extra thoughts on that game? No thoughts felt a little bit big, but fade, uh, Colgate in the Patriot at your, at your peril. Uh, they lost, they, they beat Leia by 16. The first game, I think they're fine. Awful loss too. Uh, yeah. yeah. And that was at Lehigh. That was at All right, Lehigh. Matthew, yeah. New Hampshire minus five and a half against Binghamton. Talked about this a little on another show. Maybe Binghamton we, we think is trending up. I don't know. New Hampshire has been beating us all season though. Yeah. I think Binghamton's where I lean, but no profound thoughts. Again, New Hampshire, a team that um, awesome coaches masking what looks like a pretty talent depleted roster, just playing at a level that I didn't think they'd get to this year. And Binghamton's the category. I mean, I wouldn't say, they're the more talented team. You're the more talented team on the road, plus six, just in a nutshell. I kind of like the Bearcats in that angle. 
Kai and the American UCF maybe trending down a little bit right now. They're on the road at Wichita State. I'm seeing minus two and a half now. I believe Tooch mm-hmm. liked the shockers here. What do you think? Yeah, tough one. I stayed away. I think the line's about right. Um, in my head, UCF was still playing well, but then yeah, I, I looked at the recent efforts. Hasn't been great in the roundhouse. Tough place to play, despite Wichita State fans kind of going away from their team. That the fan forums are like they're they're depressing, frankly. Uh, Wichita State fans right now. I, I I'm staying away. Can't can't do either one. All right, Matthew. A couple questions about American at Boston U. We're going back to the American. Well, after they beat Colgate. Boston in a two-point favorite at home. Yeah, I guess I don't like the spot because American just beat Colgate, but I of all the teams in the Patriot I've watched play, I think American's like my favorite. The most complete inside and out, uh, real size up front with uh, with what's-his-face back, uh, Smalls back on the back where they actually have some some power power in the perimeter. I just like this American team. I would rather take them here. I know it's a bad spot, but just on the notion of who's the better team with the eye test, I like the Eagles. Kai, in the ACC, Boston College is a 13-point dog at Virginia Tech. The Paris actually asked about uh, Virginia Tech running away early and laying seven on the first half. you have any thoughts about that specifically or the full game? Not really. I feel like it's going to be pretty low possession, hard to run away in those type of games. Um, Virginia Tech should be fully capable of covering the spread. They seem to be fully back with Couture back in the lineup. Um, Had some good efforts recently, but... I don't know. 13 is a lot of points. BC, not helpless. We saw them compete with Virginia the other day, or for a little bit at least. I think they ended up not covering that game. Um, I'm staying away here. Feels a little bit high. I, I actually kind of like the first half angle because the the big blemish on Virginia Tech's resume right now is the Q3 loss at Boston College hmm. when Couture got hurt. So I could see some like, let's prove the committee that was a fluke. Couture's back. Let's smash him. We'll see. Uh, Matthew from Turner Coleman and the Tooch also asked about the over. Hofstra minus seven at Northeastern. Is this a blowout? Do you see a lot of points? I kind of like the over here. What do you think? Yeah, market loves the over. Market loves the road favorite here. Um, not a bad bet when you're betting on Hofstra's offense in both regards there. I, I kind of like the pride here. I don't like it, the current number. Northeastern is the ultimate. Who knows what you're going to get? Um, and their defense has been very shaky as well. So I, I kind of like both the favorite and the over, but just the price at this point is a little stale. So nothing. Yeah, I think most of that price increase is due to people finally realizing Estrada is probably back for Hofstra. And I'd imagine he was somewhat into the original line. And I doubt oddsmakers were all over his absence last game. I don't know. Uh, but I get it. Yep, that line is pretty tough. All right, two more, and we'll go back to the outline. Kai, big one in the Colonial. No, I guess we just did Colonial. You can see Wilmington get nine and a half at Charleston. Have the Cougars been solved a little bit in league play? Uh, maybe I just think the spread's huge. These uh, these teams, these coaches have met four times. UNC Wilmington's three and one, and, and none of the games have been decided by more than ten points. We saw Wilmington come back against Charleston after Charleston shot the ball very well in the first half yeah. and nearly beat them at Trask. Tough place to play, of course. This this is just a huge spread. I think Wilmington can can hang around. They're a very good matchup for Charleston the way they rebound and how athletic they are. They kind of match Charleston one for one in that aspect. Uh, makes them a tough matchup. So I like Wilmington here, plus nine and a half. Sky Phillips yeah. also a healthy, big part of that too. He's a huge two-way piece. He was basically a shell of himself in that first matchup. So X factor. Yeah, my guy Noah Ross hasn't come back, the big the big shooter for Wilmington. But I agree, it's a little high. Uh, Matthew, last one before we return to the outline. Tulsa at Houston has ballooned to 29 
Cougars just <clears throat> I can't believe this is a spread in the league game. Now 28 now, mini buyback. Some buyback on the Golden Hurricane singular. How about that? Um, do you do you like full game or first half here? I saw there was some inkling to take the typical Houston first half bet. Uh, Houston first half Tulsa full game, Jim. Maybe try and get cute no, here. I'm I think getting, I like. I'm not getting cute. I'm not getting cute. It's an insane number for a conference game, but I don't know. The Houston could sleepwalk through this game and still cover. I don't think this is like a sleepy spot. And Houston starting to play a little better too after they got, um, you know, they got tested kind of the meat of that American league. I think they're really pushing now to get that one seed and, and kind of prove themselves as the dominant force in college hoop. I like Houston. Just be, uh, I'll be chalky. Think simple. Yeah, as Kai mentioned on another show, Houston won by 39 at Tulsa. So <laughs> these two are not in the same world. Uh, right. All right, Kai, back to you, back to the outline. Hey, before we keep going, can you guys hit the like button for us on the YouTube channel? That'd be great. Yeah. Appreciate it. Uh, going to the SEC, Florida at Alabama. This one is another big spread, Matthew, with Alabama laying nine and a half. I believe the current spread is a bet rivers. Touch 10 for a second there. Uh, now nine and a half. What do you think? Can Florida score against Alabama? No, but I think they can play good enough defense to keep inside the number. Um, I think 10 is a little bit high given how razor focused, you know, Florida will be in taking away transition. Um, so if you can tell me I'm getting a lower possession game than what's probably priced in, I'm getting the Florida defense that's shown up the last, what, three, four weeks. Um, I think that Florida has a puncher's chance to stay competitive here, Jim. And I think Alabama, as much as we love them, like, are they at the peak of their value in the market? You could certainly argue. I'm not sure they have like a ton of more upside to run. Um, I don't know if I want to sell high, say on Alabama, but you don't, I don't feel like I'm catching Bama, like in the midst of some upward, um, you know, fireball trajectory, given where they're ranked in the analytics stuff and, and all that. So I do like the Gators here as a, as a doggy. Yeah. I, I could see Alabama having a little more upside because they dropped two places after getting blown out at Oklahoma. And I still think that was like an outlier. It's fair game out of conference that for some reason they just didn't get off the, the, the bus for, it was really weird. Um, but you know, how much, how much is their value in being number two or number three versus number five in analytics teams, number two in every bracketology you're going to find. So yeah, maybe not a ton of value up there. Florida. I, I agree. We'll have an awesome defensive game plan. Kind of like the under Kai. Um, I yeah, just think so good. Yep. Florida is going to struggle big time to score against this interior defense and they can't really shoot. And then also Florida, like you said, takeaway transition. So leaning towards the under, even though some of my numbers don't agree with that, I just, that's fine. Wait, I, I no, look at hold on. Over. I, I like over. I like over. I don't like any unders today. Sorry. I retract my take. I, I amended. Kai, continue. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't think Florida scores. <laughs> I mean, Bam was a top five offense. They shut down the paint. Gators can't shoot. Castleson can't really dominate Betty Ako and the other top Alabama five bigs. Top five, top five defense. Yeah, yeah. Bam's top five defense. Uh, I just do not think Florida can score and Alabama's offense is awesome. And even against Florida, who's been awesome defensively. I, I think they can get it done. Gators have definitely been better six and two against the spread last eight. Maybe they find a way to muck it up. I guess I lean their way on a big spread, but I think Bama's just too much, man, too talented. I think it's Alabama's game. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Next one, Wisconsin at Penn State. 
Penn State's minus four. Jim, I've given up in Wisconsin. Yes, they should be able to win, cover this game. Yes, Penn State just lost to Nebraska. But I'm done with your Badgers. I'm done. How about you? That sounds that sounds like the right time to bet them then, Kai. I like when you give up on teams. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I I can't really get excited about betting them either. I think somebody in the chat yesterday asked why uh, Tyler Wall is just a pumpkin this year. He's been really bad recently, and I don't know if that's because of uh, the lingering ankle injury or if yeah. there's just a little too much defensive attention on him this, these days without Johnny Davis around. Oof. But it, it is a real issue. Um, seven of the last nine between these two have gone under. Again, I, I'm not really excited about any under trends, as Matt has noted. Uh, tough to be pro-unders these days. Wisconsin has won three in a row but not covered three in a row. That's obviously impossible since they're underdogs in this one. Matt, I kind of think Penn State at home has a bunch better shooting performance than they've had recently and, and takes care of Wisconsin, but uh, I'm not willing to lay it. I should lay it. Like I think I've been beating the Wisconsin's not that good drum and I've done nothing to fade them and make any money off that. Um, and I apologize for citing the same narrative I've regurgitated on this show many times, but look at the home road splits, Big Ten, Penn State, home, Iowa, Indiana, Nebraska, Michigan. I believe those were all covers. Lost at Wisconsin, although that was a cover, I should say. Lost at Rutgers by 20, at Purdue by 20, just off the Nebraska lost by nine. Now they're back home playing a team I don't like, not very good. Again, think simple. I'd lay it with Penn State. Um, they've gone a little bigger, too, with a little jumbo lineup. I think that does actually match up better with Wisconsin. Um, but yeah, I mean, the way Wall's been playing, probably some rust from that ankle injury. A lot sets up here for for the Nittany Kittens, Kai. Yeah, Wall's O-rating is 87 this year, man. Like he's been terrible since he's, since he's come back from injury. Uh, the Northwestern loss at home was the final straw for me for for the Wisconsin game. There's just no pride. I, I you can't lose that game, especially with the way they were trending and the way they were sitting before that game. Penn State's defense isn't great, but it doesn't matter. Wisconsin's not bullying anybody. And Penn State, we've mentioned, they can shoot the crap out of the ball. It, they can hit enough here to extend it home. Badger defense hasn't been great in league play either. I lean Penn State or nothing. Again, I'm done with Wisconsin. But goodbye, Wisconsin. Next game, Memphis at South Florida. That's right. I snuck in a little American contest here, fellas. South Florida, Matt, is six and a half point dogs hosting Memphis. Keyshawn Bryant missed last game. His status, I truly have no idea. Pretty key guy, in my opinion, though. Who do you like in this game? Yeah, I thought so, too, but they are deep. Um, and they kind of come at you with an unpredictable pecking order of dudes, and they have some offensive skill this year for the first time in what seems like a decade. Seems like a live dog here tonight. This will be a super high-possession game. I think I like the over more than I like South Florida, but I lean toward the home dog here. Um, first game was 83 possessions. South Florida kept pace with with Memphis. Should be a ton of free throws, Shim. Seems like both these teams are super aggressive on defense. Foul fest, hack at that. And again, these are types of games I don't like betting into with the, the volatility and variance in a free throw shooting contest. Still, I like South Florida and I like the over a little more. I think it was like four years ago. They played a regulation game that took like three hours because of the <laughs> amount of fouls. And yeah. like you said, the first game had a ton of them. I could see that happening once again here. Uh, it just feels like a potential foul fest. I, I like the live dog a little less because Memphis, I think, is going to be pretty angry off the home loss to Tulane, kind of a collapse. Every Tulane game turns into just like a bunch of shot making at the end, and they're usually a, a slightly better shot making team. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't really trust South Florida still, despite a little bit better offense. It, it would be over or nothing, and I got nothing on the side. So I'm sitting this one out, Kai. It's just kind of two erratic teams I don't believe in. Yeah, South Florida showed they can kind of hang with Memphis game one. They got up 10 in the second half. 
but you guys mentioned the free throws. Memphis got to the line 35 times in, in game one. And I don't see that getting much better in this game. South Florida had 20 turnovers. Maybe that improves a bit in this one at home. Um, I, I do expect the the Bulls to find the edge again in the paint. They they certainly did pretty good job of that in game one. Uh, and hopefully they can keep their shooting going. They're top three somehow in the American three-point percentage, which is not the South Florida we've known recently uh, uh, under Gregory. Memphis is just more athletic. They're more talented. They have Kendrick Davis. He's a pretty good player there. Um, again, I think South Florida is good enough to hang. But without knowing Keyshawn Bryant's status, I, I can't back them confidently. So I'm staying away this one. Next one here before chat mob round two is Texas Tech at Oklahoma State. Jim Pop Isaacs probably out again based on Mark Adams' uh, uh, words in the media. But no Avery Anderson for Oklahoma State. He's done for the year as well. Who do you like in this game? Oklahoma State land six. Yeah, that sort of evens out the injuries a little bit to me. I actually do lean towards Texas Tech. They've shown some life lately and you know that's maybe unfair to say after they just got smashed by Baylor uh, lost by 27 in that game but I don't love laying multiple possessions with Oklahoma State I don't feel like that's kind of the team they are uh, they're more of a grinded out defensively though they've been better offensively since the CSA injury they've kind of had to adapt and Matt how good has Caleb Boone been my goodness he's like all conference caliber big man since CSA got hurt I just think six is a little too high. Um, I don't think Texas Tech has quit on the season yet. And I, I do always like a little bit backing a team after they got really, really embarrassed. And that's what happened to Texas Tech. It, kind of a similar situation for me as the Oklahoma Baylor game, where it's a team that I don't like really um, in the dog spot at all. Uh, Texas Tech, I probably dislike more than Oklahoma. But yeah, this number is pretty big, even as good as Oklahoma State's been playing. I still lean Oklahoma State. Uh, I haven't gotten Oklahoma State right, Texas right, and OU. The three teams have been kind of the whack-a-mole misses for me in this conference, so I've kind of had them on my no-bet list. But all that said, Kai, I feel pretty confident Texas Tech is not a good basketball team and on the verge of maybe not a full-blown implosion, but I think there's a lot more downside with that roster right now. Yeah, I, I think Isaacs being out matters way more than than Anderson being out because you take away scoring and ball handling from Texas Tech – that's not good against Oklahoma state, their defense, uh, they will force turnovers. And it's going to be really hard to score against them without a creator like Isaacs. CSA appears to be fully back as well for Oklahoma state. That's very key. They beat TC without Anderson. Obviously TC didn't have miles, but still a good sign that you can compete with a good team without Anderson in the lineup. And then Gallagher, I arena. We, we mentioned a couple home court advantages. Oklahoma State's nine and three against the spread here. I do agree with Matt Texas tech, a bit of a broken team. They're one and three against the spread in true road games in the Big 12, one push in there as well. I just think they're going to struggle to score, and Oklahoma State's going to live off live ball turnovers. So I lean towards Oklahoma State here at minus six, admitting the spread does feel a tad high. I'll throw in one more note on that, Kai. I, I forgot to mention Texas Tech played Bacho 12 minutes last game and no IMAC. Like they're going a lot smaller, a little faster. I think they're going to be kind of an over team for a little bit while that lineup takes hold. Mm -hmm. Total's been bet up one point in the market, but I think they're still. Something to that, even without Isaacs. It just seems so crazy to me. Bacho's the, their best player. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what awesome defensive big. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that. Hey, before we go to chat mob part two, to answer a question Pat had previously in the chat, we do have a live podcast coming up here at 1.30 Central. Yeah, we'll tweet out the link. Join us. A lot more casual environment here, talking about basketball for an hour. You'll love it. Check it out. Okay, chat mob part two. Jim, what do we got? A uh, couple that are holstered until best bets, Belmont, Missouri State, Samford, and Mercer. So we're not going to get into those quite yet. Don't worry, they are coming. Matthew, 
Will Salad St. Bonaventure in the A10? It's a question from Jay Will. We do tend to like Bonnies at home quite a bit. They've been a very good cover squad there. And they're just playing even better in general. Like yeah, one at GCU. Um, LaSalle, I, I don't really know what they are right now. So I lean towards the Bonnies. What do you think? Yeah, again, similar to the Oklahoma State angle to the Baylor angle. I'm going to take Bonnies here. I think that's you ride them at home. They've been awesome in Olean. And uh, God, I mean, to think they you could see them maybe laying an egg here after the Richmond VCU Dayton performances. But LaSalle's just not very good. They don't have talent. Fran Dunphy is a you know a good coach, but he's not the old Fran Dunphy. I don't think he has the... Uh, the ability to raise that roster out of the dumps, which is kind of how it's been playing lately. So I like Bonnie's, even though it feels weird to lay that number with a team that doesn't feel like a good favorite. Yeah. Well, South two, two impressive wins in a row, GW and St. Joe's not bad. Uh, all right, Kai ACC Syracuse minus three and a half at Florida state. What do you got? I lean towards Florida state in this game. That's purely a number basis. Anecdotally, they don't match up well with the zone. Um, I think these teams are pretty even Bayheim Hamilton last several matchups. They Bayheim's got, a six to four ATS edge on Hamilton, whatever Florida state got hit shots against Syracuse. Hopefully the home court helps them out here. Lean their way. Plus three and a half. Yeah. Florida state actually kind of makes shots and Darren green is one of the best shooters in power conference ball. He's great. 40%, yes. 70 makes ridiculous. Uh, Kai back to you. Cause I want your take on a team that has maddened us a lot this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, UNLV is laying two and a half or three at Wyoming. The Cowboys yeah. just lost Noah Reynolds for the year to his third concussion. Does that make us get on the running reps on the road here? I can't figure out Wyoming, so I, I tend to just want to stay away, um, and I shall. No, no, really, no, no, Reynolds is bad, uh, obviously for Wyoming, but they are at home, and they've won some weird games at home this year. So I'm staying away. Yeah, I kind of lean towards the under, but the total's been bent up two points, and I don't want to bet unders right now. So no, I'm not going to do it. I won't dare. Matt, an ACC question for you. Georgia Tech is a one-point home dog against Notre Dame against just absolute dregs of the of the league here. Do you have any sort of strong take on either of these two teams right now? No, you can't have a strong take here. I do like Notre Dame, as crazy as that sounds. like They basically are playing four players at this point, but um, against Georgia Tech, the zone in Georgia Tech's more of a dumpster fire than I think people realize. I think Notre Dame maybe can still win here, so... All right, uh, Kai, Temple minus two and a half at SMU from Jess Temple off the Houston loss. Do we get like a bounce back performance or a deflated, dang, we missed our shot type of thing? I lean towards Temple. They are a much better team than SMU. We've seen SMU put a lot of stinkers up this season. And man, Battle and uh, uh, Dunn are fantastic. And Temple's got the juice on offense. When they're rolling, they are extremely tough to beat, as their current AAC standings suggests. Matthew, I have a take on this one, but I'm, I'm going to only nod yes or no if I agree with yours. The Pauls at Villanova, Nova's minus nine and a half. Better team with Justin Moore. What do you think? The Paul's going to compete, Jim. They always compete with Nova, don't they? Kind of come out of nowhere, they scrap and they claw and they make it close. I know Villanova has a lot of room to, to run on the upside here with their refurbished roster, but I think the Demons sneak up and kind of hang close here. I, you probably disagree, don't you? I do. I, I think okay, they're sorry. Villanova lost to them for the first time in like 20 years. I think they're going to smash them with a healthier team. Uh, and yes, Caleb Murphy, guys, he's 13 of 44 from two-point range since he returned from his injury. He is a net negative for DePaul. I think that hurts them against a team that will let you shoot a bunch of bad two-point jumpers. Kai from Luke Putnam, Tennessee at what he calls UT West, Tennessee at Vanderbilt in Nashville. What do you got? (laughs) 
Oh gosh, big spread, 10 and a half. Tennessee's yep. laid a couple weird offensive performances. Uh this this uh what against Auburn 43 to 46. Yikes. Not great. I don't think that happens again though. Um this Tennessee team's awesome. 10 and a half's high, but I wouldn't fade them. Matt, I feel like I know what you're going to say, but Indiana State, Valpo, any take on the total question from Ray Reyes here? Over. Over. Yeah. Um, yeah, who's stopping who in this game, especially on the Valpo defensive Indiana State offensive side? So, yeah, over. Yeah, it's sitting at 147, hasn't really moved, but I would certainly tend to agree with you there. All right, that is it for Chat Mob. Oh, Harry R just asked about Utah Valley. I don't remember who they're playing. They're hosting big number lane a touchdown against Calbap. Some Calbap money coming in. I think Calbap's better as a dog. They're still frustrating to me. Though. They're so close to being really good, and they just haven't quite put it all together consistently. I know they got uh, who's the George, the Georgetown transfer big back Timmy um, Timmy I. I'll call him. Thank you, Kai. I think he matters against Utah Valley's size, um, but Utah Valley at home is a different beast. So I didn't take it. There's a whole bunch of guys on that team for Calbat that aren't shooting the ball despite being really good shooters. Like Joe Quintana was a 40% shooter for two straight years, and he's at 29%. I don't understand. Armstrong, Nottage, and then even Taryn's not been the same guy we thought. So kind of a bummer. Odd. Uh, all right. Uh, Kai, real quick, Georgeman or Georgemond. Richmond at George Washington from Scott H. George Washington is a one-point uh, dog at home. No real feel there. I guess I lean towards GW, but don't have anything strong. I haven't gotten a Richmond game right all season. Yeah, George Washington's right. whack-a-mole too. What the heck's their results make no sense to me. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's go to best bets. Maddie, you are leading us off. Uh, in the over theme of today's program, I am taking it over. I'm going Belmont, Missouri State. Um, tried to find it's kind of this middle of the over pool that doesn't seem obvious over. Just kind of seems like, you know, no market movement. Uh, that one kind of jumped out at me. I know Donovan Clay is a big under player. He should play tonight, which might hurt this over. Um, but I think both teams score here. So you're looking again at an efficiency driven over, just kind of close your eyes and do a, a random number generator and pick an over. You probably win tonight. So just a general theme. Kai. My best bet is New Mexico state plus seven. They've covered their last three. They just beat Seattle and Stephen F. Austin, two of the better teams in this conference. It seems like they might've, Figured this out. They moved Penson to the bench and they're playing Anthony Roy a lot more. It's a big lineup. They start nobody below six foot five right now. Could really help deter a Grand Canyon shooting. Um, and New Mexico State has the most talent in the league on paper. Uh, they were supposed to finish top two. We've been waiting for them to kind of come back to life here. And it appears, it appears they're finally playing up to it. Their defensive effort has improved tenfold the last three games. It's really an effort thing with this team. They appear to be buying in. And then also, one little stat, Jim, I was surprised about. Grand Canyon's one and seven against the spread with that black shear. They're four and four straight up. I was like, oh, they're doing okay without him in the lineup. One and seven against the spread. Surprised me. Seven's too many points. New Mexico State. They've all they've also gone over like 12 straight games or something. Again, overs are good tonight. Jim, to you. We'll knock uh, on one, and one more point for Kai's favor. Uh, if it's an effort thing for New Mexico State, and it is, this is a big rivalry. Like the fans yes. really care about New Mexico State for Grand Canyon. Uh, my best bet is Samford Mercer over Quez Glover back in the lineup. I think that's big for overs for Samford. You look at what they were playing pace wise, a lot of mid sixties games tempo without him. Now he's back 72, 71, 69, much more high, uh, high sixties into the seventies. Three, of the last four have gone over. 
I think they're able to get Mercer going a little bit. Matt, Mercer, pace taker, right? You'd agree? Yes, I agree. Their lineups make it hard to discern, but yeah, I agree. I think they can play crazy up-tempo games, but they can also slow it down because they got bigs and they want to play through half court at times too. I agree with that. Yep, so with him back in there, uh, over 138. Oh, actually, wait, 137 and a half is what I had seen. Let's make sure here. Uh, well, I just hit the wrong button. I'm going 137 and a half unless I get yelled at. That's why it's seen before the show. And mine's right. 136 and a half, just to clarify. I don't know if I said my numbers. Sorry, I've been bad about that with my best bets. So 136 and a half, Belmont, Missouri State. Oh, proud of you. Proud of you. Man. Thank you. Proud of you, Jim, too. Thank you. And you, chat. Guys, thanks for joining us on our show today. Hey, again, we're live podcast at 130 Central. Check out our Twitter feed for the link there. We will see you tomorrow on this program, the Field of 68 Best Bets show presented by Bet Rivers at 12 Central tomorrow. As always, good luck with your bets. We'll see you tomorrow. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.